0: All right, we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Another presidential primary debate is in the books, where seven candidates fought over who might make a good vice president to Donald Trump. A recent ABC Washington Post poll shows Donald Trump with a strong nine-point lead over President Biden if the general election were held today. What would happen? What would seriously happen if Trump wins in November of 2024? How would the media react? How would the government react? Would Trump be barred from claiming office? We're going to get deep into speculation territory. And as I said to Jim when I was pitching this episode, the best type of speculation is wild speculation. We're going to be talking about this and more in episode 417 of the In The Tank podcast. (laughs) right thank you thank you thank you i could hear you all applauding in your living rooms listening to me uh i am donald kendall as always your host of the in the tank podcast and i've got a full boat today i've got yes i know you're. i gotta keep it down i've got jim likely vp of the heartland institute how are you doing today good sir
1: I'm doing good, except for I got forgot to hit the don't loop the applause uh, yeah. sound effect in there. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've am i been sick all week, as you guys know, it's my first time in the office, actually all week. And uh, despite all of that, I think I'm having a pretty good hair day. And I think with just another inch and a half, it'll almost be as tall as Vivek Ramaswamy's hair was that last night's debate. So I'm worth, that's that's my goal.
0: Yes, that's our main takeaway from the debate uh, that happened last night was Vivek Ramaswamy's hair. But uh, also joining us, we have Justin Haskins, director of the Socialism Research Center here at the Heartland Institute, showing up 15 seconds after we hit go live. How's it going, Justin?
2: Uh, none of those people are me showing up on the screen. Um, I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, I feel... Uh, well, actually, no, I, I'm not. I'm actually not doing well. I'm doing really terrible. I, I'm sick yet again. Um, I'm learning that having a child is the equivalent to inviting a Wuhan wet market into your home, um, which is not good. Just full of disease. It's terrible. Uh, sick all the time. Jim, Jim is triggering me by talking about how great his hair is. <laughs> just just <laughs> free it at all jim um i'm gonna be talking yeah, to wanda later finally this is, this is an
0: not an inviting this is not an inviting broadcast <laughs> this is really right hostile
2: donnie's calling me out telling the audience that i'm i'm showing up 15 seconds before i mean full transparency that's what that's what i'm all about
0: outrageous also, also joining us lit better than ever chris talgo <laughs> who is the editorial director here at the Artland institute how are you doing today good sir
3: uh donnie i'm still digesting what occurred on screen last night and uh i think we're going to have a very interesting uh conversation about the debate yeah well we have let's just just get to
0: it dude we have a lot to talk about uh it's going to be a long show everyone so buckle up also joining us though we do have a special guest samantha fillmore state government relations manager here at the heartland institute how are you doing today samantha
4: I'm well. I'm excited to see you guys. And I'm really excited to hear my favorite hotheads, especially Jim and Chris, just rattle off some reactions to what happened last night. So I'm very excited.
0: I think we're in for quite a debate on this podcast because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I mentioned we were going to talk about... The debates, we're going to talk about uh, the 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 prospect of Trump actually winning and the reaction that that would, uh, that would ensue from that victory if it happens. I do have a Davos Watch segment for the end as well, so we have a lot to get into. But before we do, I had to put out that message to those audio-only listeners that are catching the show probably on a Friday or later that you can join our show live Thursdays at noon Central Time where we are streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Twitter. And you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the chat. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. You could also support the show by uh, doing the super chat. We have that super chat functionality enabled, so you can support the show that way and guarantee that your comment or question is read on the air. Or you could help us out uh, the old-fashioned way that doesn't cost you a penny. Only it costs you a couple seconds hitting that like button, sharing this content, subscribing if you haven't already. Or just leaving a comment on the video. All helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. So, yes, there was a debate. Uh, Seven people on stage. Um, you know, like I said Trump wasn't there. So what are we even doing? Why why are we even paying attention to this? That, that's that's what it seems like to me, but uh who actually watched the debate? Uh Justin, did you end up watching any of it?
2: I wa- I watched some of it after I got off the phone with you this morning. Okay. I-, I got a good I got a good solid 20 minutes in, but I'll be honest with you, I feel like I got the gist of it. Great. First <laughs> Chris minutes. watched so it good.
0: wire to wire, 100%. Yeah. I don't even have to ask him. Yeah. Okay. Jim, how much did you watch?
1: Well, I watched almost all of it this morning. Uh, I know I had actually fallen asleep in my fair chair last night while watching TV and not the debate. And then I got up and noticed that my phone had 63 texts on it in a thread <laughs> among you, Justin, uh, and a few other Heartlanders um, uh, to talk about the debate. And so uh, I kind of got the flavor of it. Mm-hmm. But I got to say, when I watched it this morning, I, I didn't think the debate was nearly as bad as you guys were describing. And it wasn't as bad as the way as some of the, you know, the, the other thing I did is I went to Twitter and, and read some of the people that I follow on Twitter and what they thought of the debate. And they thought it was a huge disaster and the worst thing ever. Uh Honestly, maybe it's because I had a, a good night's sleep, Uh but, you know, because if you nap before you even go to bed. That's a really great night's sleep. <laughs> right. So, uh yeah, I, I actually didn't think it was nearly as bad as the first one, which I thought was a complete you know s show i almost swore again on this thing before we even get to the four minute mark but i thought the first debate <laughs> you're was- not even upset yet you're almost dropping uh bombs here <laughs> yeah i know yeah that's just like me so anyway i, I didn't we can get into it but i didn't think it was nearly oh, we'll as bad into- it wasn't awesome but it wasn't nearly as bad and i actually thought most of the candidates did a pretty good job uh samantha what uh, did you watch the debate
4: I did not like oh, the other okay. um, you on this um, episode with babies. I was promptly going to sleep as best as I could and actually was slightly triggered by Jim talking about his nap before his bedtime.
2: Jim's <laughs> <She was> triggering <laughs> everybody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Classic boomer.
4: But um, no, I, I watched about 30 minutes of it this morning and I listened to the highlights. So I, I feel okay. prepared. I feel like I got the general gist and maybe watching it after the fact, I was able to scrub out some of the, reality show bickering that it Mm. appears that most of the debate was.
0: All right. Well, I think the person that has the strongest opinion about the debate is going to be Chris. So I'll let you lead off uh, on this discussion about debate number two. What do you have to say?
3: Yeah, well, I think that the moderators did a terrible job. And I think that most of the questions were framed from a perspective of big government is good. And unless you are pro big government, then you are actually part of the problem. Let me give you just one of the examples. Uh, when it came to their very, very brief discussion on uh, child care, the question was framed, and I don't remember exactly, I think it was Dana Perino who asked this question, was framed as uh, child care is getting cut, and that's a huge problem, and that's making child care more unaffordable. So are you going to cut it or add to the spending? Instead of saying, why is child care going up? It's going up because of the spending and the inflation, all the terrible Biden you know, policies. And I think that the uh, moderator for Univision, almost every single question she asked was an attack oriented (laughs) gotcha question meant to put the candidates on the defensive. So it just seemed to me like the framing of almost all the questions was a the Republican stance or the Republican um, agenda is responsible for a problem. So how would you do that differently? And it just I mean, it just it was nonstop all night long. And once again, I think they did a a pretty poor job of uh, containing the, you know, the uh, discussion. And one of the other things that really I thought was annoying was they would ask a question. They would let maybe one, two or three candidates answer that question. And then they would immediately move on to another question. And many of the candidates said, wait a second, we really want to chime in on this question. So it, it was very superficial. They didn't get into any depth on any of the issues. They were just jumping from issue to issue. I thought this was going to be much more about the economy, Fox Business, Stuart Varney. You know, this this guy knows the economy inside and out. He literally was asking questions that were anti-free market and actually in like in a pro big government uh, fashion. It just I mean, it blew my mind. Interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of. Uh, I watched some post debate coverage, and and people were saying, "Oh, yeah, the first half was really bad. The second half was was much better, or something." And I only watched the second half. Uh, Samantha mentioned, you know, with the idea of having having kids. Those kids didn't go down until well after the debate started. So I only caught the second half, and I thought, like, "Oh, this isn't terrible." I mean. The, there was a lot of policy discussed, maybe not a whole lot of economy stuff, but uh, they talked about education, school choice, healthcare. I even heard a reference to Certificate of Need, Justin. Can you believe that at one no. point? Uh, yeah. There was a question about automation and AI and job losses. Uh, so, you know, I thought that there was actually a lot covered, but... Maybe I what, but but, but One that of the things man.
3: that the candidates were doing, and I was glad that they did this, is they were ignoring some of the questions and actually oh, answering. Sure. Yeah, because they were because they were asked questions such as uh, why, why are Americans smuggling drugs across the border? Instead of why? Why? Why is the U.S. government allowing the Mexican cartels to basically run roughshod over the border?" Just th- those the way that they were framed, I think, really set the tone and the tone was uh that you know the uh it wasn't that the admit that the current administration is causing these problems it's that this goes back to trump and you know a, a lot of it was anti-trump and i just thought that it was uh it, it, it was it was very awful very very terrible
0: yeah my, yeah, my one two of... favorite moments uh real quick and i'll let you let you jump in justin but my two favorite moments was nikki haley literally made a billy madison reference where she said, uh, after Vivek talked, she said, I feel dumber every time I hear you speak, or something like that. <laughs> Which was a little rough, I'll say. Uh, and then, my award, my award to the most prepared statement of the entire debate <clears throat> goes to Chris Christie, where he had that whole thing where he called Donald Trump Donald Duck or whatever, and then he had that stupid smile on his nice. face after he <laughs> yeah. said it so
1: these guys these guys got to stop trying to get one-liners and jokes in they are terrible yeah,
0: they're they're and at all... least if you do don't laugh at your own joke okay <laughs> you, you look
2: pathetic when you do that so bad yeah, yeah I mean, just uh opposite. just just no, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Oh, I was go just
4: ahead. gonna say, Donnie had a real missed opportunity not changing his name to Donald Duck. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. That's true. <laughs> that would have that been good. good. Although
2: I don't know how much of this audience actually watched the debate, so I don't know if anybody would have gotten that. <laughs> uh, but I uh, just to kind of reiterate one of the things that that Chris said. Um, so there was one point in the debate, and again, I only watched like the first twenty minutes of it or whatever, where um, the host, the hostess from. Uh, univision yeah. uh ilia calderon asked chris christie about his immigration policies do you remember this chris yeah. and and he she she went out of her way to reference a quote from 2015 where chris christie allegedly referred to tracking immigrants the way that fedex tracks packages yeah. like she went out of her way to like cite that quote yeah. and i'm just like I mean, A, I don't care because I hate Chris Christie, so whatever. But at the same time, it's like this is a Republican debate, <laughs> you know, like the idea that like, you know, some Republican primary voter cares about Chris Christie at all, but then cares about <laughs> a Chris Christie quote from eight years ago. Right. And then taking that quote and and kind of manipulate because because the quote isn't as bad as that makes it sound at all. Yeah. And the idea that to, to make it as bad. You know, to twist it into something really. I mean, it's just. Why you literally want to
0: put immigrants in cardboard boxes. I That's know. what you're what? They what? were, but, they, but but they were
3: doing that from the get-go. The, opening, que- yeah. the opening question was about the UAW strike, so they, right. they they put Tim Scott right on the spot and said, "You said that you agreed with Ronald Reagan when he uh, fired the air control employees, but that was very different from that was first of all a public sector union, and they were you know refusing to go to their to do their jobs. The UAW strike has nothing to do with that."
1: Her, que- her Chris, her question was, "Would you fire thousands of striking auto workers?" And and Tim yeah. <laughs> Tim Scott was like, "What? What are you talking Scott about?" Was like, I mean, but it it, he came from their private yeah, sector. That's absurd. Exactly. That was the first
3: question. It was absurd. Right. So that that just got the entire thing off to a you know to a bad start, and it I think it just got worse from there. I think Justin. <laughs> Whenever they talked about immigration, they never talked about securing the border. They talked about DACA. Yeah. They talked about all these other things. And the Republican uh, you know, candidates were trying to pivot to the issues that mattered. But it seems like every time they pivoted, and Ron DeSantis, I thought, did a great job of this on many, many things, the moderators actually got like angry and were like, no, we want you to address our question. And a lot of times they were saying, these questions don't matter to the American people. The American people want to hear us debate the things that matter to them
2: maybe i'm maybe I'm wrong about this maybe jim or or Chris you can remind me You're uh, wrong. but when when they brought about uh, when they mentioned the immigration thing, I don't think they ever mentioned that we just had a month where we had three hundred thousand people right that's just the people that they had interactions with that doesn't right. include all the other three hundred thousand people illegally cross the border that we know of, and they didn't even mention that right. when they brought right. up illegal immigration it's like.
3: They what? immediately went mention to a. That? They immediately went to a Ronald Reagan quote talking about amnesty in 1984, <laughs> and it was <laughs> so it, 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 it was did, predicated as it was predicated as Ronald yeah. Reagan and we're here at the Ronald Reagan Library. He was for amnesty, so therefore you should be for amnesty. And when they were saying oh, we actually don't believe in amnesty, and Vivek Arsani had a great response to that, you could tell that they were actually getting heated and irritated because they were not walking the liberal line. Which to me was just so frustrating because I had high hopes for Dana Perino and Stuart Varney, and I think oh. that they just did a, a a horrendous job.
2: Also, that quote from Ronald Reagan was forty years ago, right? right.
1: And Look, he, he had a deal. On this
2: podcast weren't alive when that quote was made, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> and 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 the deal Reagan made was that I'll give you amnesty, you know, but I want you know a comprehensive immigration reform, which may have even included ending birthright citizenship. And he didn't get that. So actually, the lesson from Ronald Reagan giving amnesty 40 years ago is you don't give amnesty. And as they pointed out, no Republican or Democrat president has done so since. And that's because it's a raw deal. Look, the the immigration thing was actually pretty interesting because it got, um, as you mentioned, Justin, I think the, the number is 7 million illegals have come across that we know of. Have come right. across the border in just the what is it two and a half years maybe not, not even three years of the biden administration 7 million and the univision reporter and why is univision there anyway um by the way if this is fox business there's no reason uh, because every question was framed from the left whether it was on immigration or anything else but she mentioned like we have 11 million illegal immigrants in this country we've been using that 11 million illegals hmm. in this country number now for what yeah. 30 years <laughs> um and we just had 7 million this year i mean it's we It would be interesting. It would be really great. In fact, the only time we've ever had an actual um, the immigration discussion, Vivek Vivek actually went there and said, Mm -hmm. we need to end birthright citizenship. If you come over to this country illegally and, and have a baby, that that baby should not be a citizen. It's it's a misreading of the Constitution. And, you know, no other country does this. I mean, my my wife was born in England um she's not an uh, a citizen of the united kingdom she's an american she was born to american expats over there and she she was not given citizenship in the uk just because she was born there um you know it would be i'm waiting for someone to come off with this really hardline immigration policy and this would this, is, this would be stronger than remain in mexico and all these other things that trump did but frankly we're not that draconian but did help stem the tide of just a wave of people coming over that we can't handle because they're not coming over in any orderly fashion. It's that if you come into this country illegally, you forfeit ever becoming a citizen of this country. If that was a solid and announced policy in this country, it would stop immediately. Or um, it would certainly stem a lot of it because people are coming over here to stay here permanently. And maybe you would even extend it saying, if you come into this country illegally, breaking the law as your first act in this country, you also don't even get a green card. You have to do it legally or you you have no place in this society. That would be a policy that I think actually Vivek was almost getting close to articulating. But, you know, they said at the beginning, we have a lot of questions. We have a lot of topics to cover. I stopped counting the questions at 33. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know. If you gave people actual chances to answer, if you had 15 questions that you could get through in two hours with only seven people, was it seven people on the stage? You could have an actual debate and a real discussion. Instead, it's all this lightning round crap that all the moderators always do that doesn't inform anybody of anything. You You basically have to read between the lines to understand what any of the policy positions any of these people have. G- so, Jim's, so Jim's my... new
0: assessment. Jim's new assessment on the debate is that it was in fact worse than the last. it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay,
1: getting so, heated you, up you, while talking about really it. I usually talk myself on... into the worst scenario if I keep going.
2: So, so my my biggest takeaway though from only watching the first twenty minutes, and I don't think I need to watch any more of it. I might anyway because I'm a masochist. But <laughs> I, um, uh, my biggest takeaway was, and this is a good segue for you, Donnie. So I'm Perfect. I'm 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 setting you up. Serve all right? it up for so, me. I'm serving it up. The the, the the most important takeaway was watching this debate was like watching a AAA baseball game or a preseason football game, NFL game or something, in that it feels like, yes, you're watching something. It is the sport. It sort of resembles what we imagine, you know, something that we should care about. But ultimately, it's meaningless. Like, right. none of this actually matters. Sure. And the reason none of it actually matters is because the one person who's winning all the polls for the Republicans who, that we all need to... Who was, who was mentioned, by the way, several times in the debate by the ke- various candidates saying, he's not here and he's a coward and he should be here and he should face his record and all that. Donald Trump was not there. And therefore, this was basically A baseball. It doesn't really matter. And I think ultimately... That's all these debates are. If he doesn't show up, it delegitimizes all of these things. They just don't even really matter at all.
0: Yeah, you know, it Um, it would be a different story if he was only, like, five points ahead or, like, tied with somebody. But because he is so far ahead, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So
2: so my advice to the candidates would be, since I know they watch the show. (laughs) They
0: do. Oh, well, my advice <laughs> doug
2: bergam in particular i know is always watching the show so my advice to them is this next time ignore every single question don't answer any question that's asked to you just immediately start attacking donald trump uh-huh. all the candidates should spend every minute of their time attacking donald trump that's all they should do and the reason why is because if donald trump has to actually watch three hours of people just non-stop attacking him he will have he he must show up because he cannot yeah. stand the idea of watching these people <laughs> attack him constantly without being able to fight them back. He can't he can't stand it. I know he can't. So that's what we need. America needs all the candidates. Doug Burgum included all of them to come yeah, out you know, and ruthlessly attack Donald Trump for three hours. That way we can have Donald. Does Trump anyone
0: does anyone election. deny that like Trump avoiding the debates is a uh, a good strategy? Because I think it very clearly is. Yeah. I mean, like if he was, if he was on the debate stage, it would be seven on one. There's no doubt yep. about it, you know? Yep. So I, I think it's totally makes sense for him not to be there.
4: I have very mixed feelings about it. I understand that like practically his absence makes a lot of sense for his overall success in the polls and his like, like ability among his supporters, which is great. Although sometimes I have this feeling that like participation almost should be necessary. Like, like, any time throughout our lives through the general like moving through the like constraints of society if you ever wanted to participate in something in high school or in college or for work like you would have to show up for the general participation events in order to be considered as you know as a qualifier for a larger position well, or a larger office so i kind of feel like it's a little bit of bending the rules and i know that that's what trump loves to do but there's a little bit of like the traditionalist purist in me that like doesn't like that he just like exempt
0: himself we're we're talking about practice not a game not a game not a game we're talking about practice right chris come on that was a reference for you i know uh so so yeah i do i think i think it's trump's to win the the primary and i want to uh basically explore the idea for the remaining part of the podcast of just like what happens if he does win uh but before we do that there there is another kind of section that i want to get to And uh, that is the idea that this, you know, In the Tank is a a Heartland Institute show. Uh, We talk on the show consistently about Heartland Institute reports. We talk about Heartland op-eds. We talk about events that are being put on by Heartland. We talk about polls and studies that we release. But we rarely talk about a huge component of the Heartland Institute, and that is government relations efforts, We've talked about it in certain capacities, especially in regards to our ESG efforts or in relation to a specific project, but we have an entire GR department that is dedicated solely to educating lawmakers on a massive range of state and some federal public policy solutions to social and economic problems. And all sorts of different GR produced material comes across my desk, a, a whole lot of policy work that relates to energy and healthcare, education in the form of tip sheets or research and commentary policy uh, documents. And most recently, I saw an article written by Samantha Fillmore that was published on the Center Square about Colorado's Taxpayer Bill of Rights and an attempt to weaken it in that state. So... Samantha, can you tell us about the Taxpayer Bill of Rights and what's going on here?
4: Absolutely. Such a nice tip, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, So since 1992, Colorado has had one of the best programs for taxpayers in the country, um, shortened to TABOR. Um, That is their Taxpayers Bill of Rights, as you said. And essentially what it does is it limits the amount of revenue that the state government can retain and spend. It specifies that any tax increases must be approved by the state voters via ballot referendum. Tabor also ensures that the taxes collected by the state government um, that exceed the revenue cap end up being reimbursed to Coloradoans the next year, and it happens annually. So basically, as an Illinois resident, I am so jealous that a system like this even exists and that people get to enjoy it. But ultimately, um, through what we do at Heartland as a proponent of advocating for taxpayers across the, na- the nation, um, this is a great system. So what is happening in Colorado is that um, Democrats and their very libertarian uh, governor is advocating for a Proposition HH. Um, this is a voter referendum that Coloradoans will be faced with this November that appears to provide property tax relief but really ultimately ends up undercutting uh, Tabor. Before I continue, I must disclose that the Heartland Institute and its affiliates and employees do not specifically endorse voting in any direction for ballot initiatives, Um, but this is just very interesting, and so I'm going about it um, through my capacity at the Heartland Institute for informational purposes because as a budget and tax nerd, this is so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I mean...
0: I mean, you guys are working on, uh, you GR folks over there, you guys are essentially working in every state across the country, right? Except for Wyoming. You know what you did, Wyoming, right?
4: (laughs) We still love Wyoming. We we (laughs) love equal opportunity state worker. Okay. All right. (laughs)
0: You're off the hook, Wyoming.
4: Yes, we do. We work in all 50 states and we try to advocate for all any issues that generally Heartland um, comes across. ESG is a big one recently. We do health care, whether it's certificate of need, um, right to try. We have budget and tax, which is really my area of expertise. We also have actively engaged on um, governors not gods issues, where we really try to reel in the emergency powers granted to governors during a state of emergency, which we also get carried away during COVID. Um, as well as educational issues and pushing for school choice so we definitely have a full plate but that is that's what we do in gr
0: yeah it's a it's an enormously um important role that that heartland takes um and there i'm sure that there are people that are listening to this podcast that are particularly interested in our efforts when it comes to government relations is there a place that they can go to kind of stay up to date on the progress that you guys are making or anything like that
4: yes so all GR, all of our work is accessible from the Heartland Institute website. Um, and there is a uh, Heartland Institute GR email that's accessible. Um, we are in the process of launching another. Um, organization separate from the heartland institute heartland impact that is not yet officially launched but allows us more of a grassroots capacity and that website will be coming soon um along with um we are have a gr and heartland impact social media um, which i will have andy link to all of the uh, content later
0: fantastic all right well, let's get to our main topic. Uh, enough beating around the bush here. I want want to get deep into the speculation territory, like I said, because you know that's that's the best type of speculation is wild speculation. So the what what if Trump actually wins? That's the question at hand here. I think that there are a bunch of people that have written off Trump's ability to win, um, actually win the presidency. But what if they're wrong? How would the media act? How would the Democrats react? How would the systems that form the government, both at the surface level and, you know, at uh, <clears throat> deeper levels, respond to Trump taking office? If the hysteria that resulted around the 2016 election is a benchmark, then I think we're in for quite a show if Trump is able to pull this off. So first question, lightning round, just a little <laughs> round table here, uh, who thinks trump can actually win in 2024 and and i want percentage chance of winning against joe biden jim what's 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 trump's chances one to a hundred zero to a hundred uh 27 27 okay i'm gonna write these down chris what is uh
3: what is your what's your percentage well mine comes with a caveat if it's a free and fair election 100 it's not <laughs> zero Oh, wow.
0: Okay. Quite a spread there. Quite a spread. Yes. Samantha, chances zero to one hundred. Um,
4: forty-five.
0: Forty-five. Like 45. it. Like it. I, I want to bump it up to forty-seven, but that's uh, that's okay. Yeah. Justin, last one. What, what are your chances here?
2: Um, one. One <laughs> percent chance. <laughs> Gosh. With... So, uh,
0: so I think that there are a couple of things that um, that I think should make all of your percentages a little bit higher, except for maybe Chris's. But uh, so, a couple of things to just kind of set up the context for this conversation. So, um, polling results. Justin and I were talking about the chances of Trump being the nominee uh, like a month ago. We were talking about this over the phone, and then if he were the nominee, his chances going up against Biden. And uh, Justin was was basically saying that you know, Trump has no shot and, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense to me. He has no shot, you know, and I parroted this to my wife when we were talking one evening about Trump and his chances. Who's MAGA. In, in his, uh, who's very MAGA. Uh, <laughs> about the, her, his chances in the general election, if he does become the nominee and to prove my point, I pulled up the 538, Is that what the name of the website is? 538 poll poll results where they have them all like, you know, put together, whatever. And to my surprise, when I pulled those up, Biden wasn't ahead by a lot. In fact, it was mostly tied in all of the the poll results. So I was like, wow, maybe this isn't like as long shot as I thought it was when when uh, Justin was trying to talk me into thinking that Trump had no shot. And it was essentially neck and neck. And then the most recent poll that comes out that uh, I made the thumbnail about this uh, podcast for was an ABC Washington Post poll that showed Trump with a 51 to 42 point lead in a heads up race against Joe Biden in a general election. A, nine, a strong nine point lead against the sitting president. And I'd say this ABC Washington Post poll, this isn't some like, um, you know you name it, rag on online or something like that. That's just polling their friends or anything like that. So the legitimate poll left of center, you know, you might say, uh, to show them with a nine point lead. And then also there was another article that I came across uh, talking about how low Joe Biden's approval ratings are. And uh, I think the the story was centered around the disapproval rate for Joe Biden's time as president has reached an all time high for his administration of 56%. And I think that this is attributed to a topic that we've talked about uh, in previous episodes, the idea of Bidenomics and that nobody's buying it. Nobody is buying that Bidenomics is a roaring success and that everyone is just so well off. The economy's recovered and you know all this stuff is booming. No one's buying that. So his approval rating disapproval rating is at the highest it's been throughout his entire presidency. And then there was another article talking about uh, this um, this kind of the the attitudes around uh, with the people around Joe Biden uh, coming up to this next election. And it's getting a little sour. So there's been increasing talk about Democratic challenges to Joe Biden. Uh, You know, he's the sitting president. He, He should just be the incumbent, usually unchallenged. But RFK Jr. has been running for a bit now. Gavin Newsom is stirring up some speculation. He's supposedly debating Ron DeSantis in November, I think. But most recently, RFK Jr. has discussed the possibility of running as a third party, stoking fears that he might be uh, in a position to siphon off some of Biden's votes in a general election if he runs third party. So there's another article that I have. I think it's a Vanity Fair link in the show notes where it talks about how a bunch of people are talking to Biden, including Hillary Clinton, talking about uh, the, the prospect of this situation being pretty bad and how Hillary Clinton herself was in a situation where Jill Stein with the Green Party supposedly siphoned off enough votes for her to lose certain states that would have helped her beat trump in 2016 and apparently after one of these meetings with hillary clinton a white house insider had told um, nbc i think that uh the situation is pretty effing concerning was the direct quote and and i um uh, i censored that myself i don't think it was censored when the person said this to nbc news so there's a whole lot of things that are certainly making people on the left side of the aisle kind of nervous and because of this, I think that Trump actually has a better than 50% chance of winning. I wouldn't oh have said God. this a month ago, but I'm putting it at 53%. That's oh what I'm putting God. it at. 53% chance here. of winning. So let's just discuss this before we get into what happens if he actually wins. Go ahead, Justin.
2: Okay. first First of all. If you're telling me under the scenario that RFK Jr. is also in the race, then, yeah, then I would say Trump has a much better chance because I do think he probably, if he were running, would get five, 10 percent, something like that. He probably would because there's enough enough Democrats that really hate Trump, but also really don't like Biden that they would probably do that. Okay, so I do think Trump's chances go way, way up if RFK. That wasn't how the question was posed. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna start off with <laughs> that. If so, then I would say he's got a great chance. I, I would say 53% might not even be like. Of I think it could be much better than that, even right, if RFK's in the race. I'll say that. With that said, I don't think that. I think there's a a, a good chance Biden won't even be the candidate. In which case, I think that also changes everything. Um, and in under, and I should have asked this when you uh, set this whole question up. But under this scenario, is Trump in jail at the time of the election, or is Trump not in jail at the time of the election? Because that's like a legitimate—that's a legitimate question. Because, which one because helps
0: them, in your opinion? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think that's like a that's a good question. I don't know necessarily which one helps him more, but I I guess if I had to put money on it, I would say if Trump is in jail, um, I would say he's got a a worse chance. I mm. think mm. Um, of of winning, but if Trump is found innocent for example, and he's not in jail because he was found innocent, then I would say he's he's got a really good chance. If he's clear of all charges going in,
0: it's 100%.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I was operating under the assumption that RFK was not in the race and that Trump is probably going to be in jail or maybe on the road to being in jail, which I think is what's going to happen. I think they're going to put him in jail. (laughs) So so i mean well, this so uh, many so I, I want, I scenarios want jim, in all of this but... I, I want i want jim
0: to jump in here because i'm actually kind of surprised i thought your number would have definitely been higher uh, than 27 so me l- let me have your take on on his prospects of winning before we get into the hypothetical of if and when he wins
1: oh how do, how do i talk about this without getting the channel nuked from space i'm i'm, I'm really at a loss um Let's just say that uh, I do not have 100% confidence in the integrity of our election system in this country. Oh God. Oh God, All right. I did say it in a way that's going to get us in trouble. I, I, <laughs> it's over. I didn't really think it through. Uh, sorry. Um, I just look, the 2020 election was one of the weirdest elections ever. And yet our establishment told us that it was the most secure election in American history. Um, we have been nothing but lied to and gaslit about everything that happened in 2020, um, COVID was the excuse they needed to basically set up for it, it, nationwide, the, the perfect election system if you're a Democrat uh, and, the, and the way you run elections, which is to um, send out as many absentee ballots as you can, not require any signatures, send out people to collect those ballots, um, you know, so-called ballot harvesting, and then bring them in um, whenever you feel like it and then um, and then count them up and what do you know, um, you win just in exactly the places you need to to make sure that your candidate gets, uh, what is it, 83 million votes, the most in history and just enough to win the Electoral College. So that was my last uh, view of the, the last election that we had. And I don't see anything that has changed that would make that would make our elections more on the up and up more. They would give me more confidence in them that would have people actually showing up to vote that would have um, uh, registrations double checked and to make sure that people that are dead or have three residences are not registered to vote in three different places, things like that. You know, w- whenever that's attempted, it's called voter suppression. And it's, you know, it's and all sorts of other nonsense. Um, but what it really is, is trying to ensure that everybody who can legally vote does vote that's what i think every american wants but i think what we have too often is that a lot of people that shouldn't be voting are voting um whenever you get and there have been cases i didn't really think to bring them all up and and cite them but you know there are cases of actual voter fraud happening and people have been charged and people very rarely but people have gone to jail for it but we pretend that that doesn't happen in this country and so if we have another election in 2024 with basically the exact same setup that we had in 2020. You should be surprised that my number is actually 27 and not as Justin's is one, because I don't know if um, with all of the the headwinds that Donald Trump has um, among the electorate. Um and and the you know he's how many indictments is he
2: under now? Is it six? Is it four? I can't keep No, track. it's forty, isn't it? Doesn't he have like 40? Oh
1: no, six
3: no, it's no it's four indictments, things, right? Forty yeah. charges or something. 91. Like 91.
1: And no, just ninety one it's adorable <laughs> that you think that he might be found not guilty in one of these trials. Oh
0: wait, I mean, hang no, on, hang I, on. I didn't All say right. that. I just said update, update, <laughs> update 92. It's 92 now. All right. 92, All right. yes. so Ron, actually,
3: yesterday, yesterday, yesterday he was, you know, in court yet again. For "quote unquote" overvaluing his assets, and they, oh, they, right. said, they, they said Mar-a-Lago is worth 18 million dollars. Actually, it's uh, worth apparently 300 million. So, yeah, I think
0: know. there's an outhouse next to Mar-a-Lago not, uh, that costs 18. That million costs 18 dollars. million. Uh, yeah, uh, I
1: have so a, a quid. And note that, that 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 came down right after um, more more information about the Biden crime family came out. Again, it's a, it's a right. joke. It's a meme on Twitter. Every time bad news about the Bidens comes out, oh, I guess Trump needs to be indicted again. Bam! The Mar-a-Lago stuff comes out. I mean, it's really unbelievable. Sure. So the sure. idea that Donald Trump can fight all of this off and that the American people would select him and that and that the result would be that he's president, I find that
0: extremely. Wait, Justin, unlikely. you had your turn. I got to go to Chris first. No, no, no. I
2: have. A, I just want to ask Jim one quick question. Okay. So, Jim, are you saying if the election? So, if we go back pre-COVID election rules, okay? Are you saying what? Are, what are the odds Trump wins then? Well, pre-COVID use... election rules—if we had pre-COVID election rules—right. What are the odds that Trump wins? Oh, I would
1: actually give it a little, bit, a little bit above fifty percent. Yeah, I really okay. would. Without okay. all the other stuff happening, I mean, if, if, Chris, I mean, if
2: the elections were run like they
1: were in 2016, yeah, yes. I think he could beat Biden actually pretty easily, but not the way election uh, laws, as we okay. call them, laws are set up in 2020. Chris, okay. the uh, Biden—Bidenomics,
0: as they like to call it—they were promoting that for a good portion of time justin mm-hmm. tells me that they're still promoting that as it's been a success biden namas is a success and mm-hmm. that alone i think if that were if that were believed i think that that would you know carry him into the presidency you know like oh the economy was bad it was on the on the rocks but it's doing better now or whatever so let's stay the course i don't think anyone buys that and i think there's a lot of economic data that's coming out uh, you know even new inflation numbers that are coming out that's like oh it's not you know not as rosy as uh you know biden's making it look like and then just the people you know looking at their own checkbooks you know looking at their own wallets and being like i think there's supposed to be more money in my bank account what's going on like i think that that is more telling than anything that they can spout you know propaganda on the media about but like isn't that isn't the reality of the economy like a major headwind for trump going into this next election
3: well, I think that the voters are well aware that Bidenomics is failing and that they are not getting ahead. They're getting, you know, even more behind, uh, you know, and it's coming from all angles. It's coming from a macro angle. It's coming from a, a micro angle. It's coming from the fact that interest rates keep spiking because, you know, the the debt just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It's coming the fact that um, uh, prices are rising and wages are not keeping up with those uh, rising prices. I think that uh, one of the things that could be uh, Biden's Achilles' heel here uh, is his. I, I, I don't want to. His... So a couple of days ago, Joe Biden was apparently um, congratulating LL Cool J. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Joe Biden referred to LL Cool J as boy. Okay. Uh huh. Charlemagne the God analyzed that. And so that that was one of the most disrespectful things that has uh. ever come out of a politician's mouth. Joe Biden has a bad history of saying things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that black men in particular are incredibly sick and tired of Biden's stupid comments and his stupid policies. And I think that if if a uh, a, a block of uh, black men say "Sayonara" to the Democratic Party, we're going to go and we're going to you know give Trump. Uh, you know, a shot. I think that that alone would uh, be the end of uh, Biden's re-election campaign. But I also think that one of the things that is going to be a, a big problem for Biden uh, in 2024, uh, union workers. And, you know, th- th- this this strike at the, you know, UAW is because of Biden's stupid green energy policies and the fact that it takes two thirds less workers to make a uh, an EV, the, these these companies are losing money, and the only reason that they're staying afloat is because of the subsidies to these. And I think that that is starting to uh, you know to resonate with uh, uh, not only auto workers but just workers in general. The regulations, the the energy stuff. You know, Donnie, I play golf a lot, and I talk with a lot of business owners, and I've talked with a lot of business owners the last couple of weeks. They have just said that it 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 is impossible to stay you know profitable in this economy. And I think that that alone people are going to vote on their checkbook like James Carville said it's the economy is stupid all the way back in 92 I think that that is just going to you know be the uh, number one uh, priority for voters and I think that all this you know stupid uh, you know culture war stuff and all the stupid stuff about Biden he's given a speech today about how you know democracy is under threat and all this I think that that is just not going to uh, you know really, be on the ballot. I think this is going to be just a you know very simple election. People are going to vote on their economic future. I think it's very very dark under Joe Biden.
0: Justin, I see you shaking your head. I'm going to give you last words on this part of the podcast, but first I want to go to Samantha. Uh, if you have any any thoughts about uh, you know Trump's prospects, things that are going to weigh him down or things that are going to prop him up when it comes to the election,
4: I do. Thank you. I feel like I need to justify my 45 percent comment. <laughs> Um,
0: oh, I'm at 53, so go ahead.
4: No problem. <laughs> Before I go to that, though, I do want to piggyback off of what Chris just said. And he, and that's actually something that Doug Burgum did get really right last time in his very limited airtime last night, was that this strike in Detroit with UAW is because of Joe Biden's interference in the free market with these government subsidies. And yep. the absolute hypocrisy to show up and stand on the picket line with them has just been sickening to me personally. Um but to continue on to why I chose 45, I think that he does have a lot of steam among his base. And again, this is barring whether or not he's in jail, forgetting whether or not, right, let's say all things fair, elect throwing election rules out. He does have a very strong base, which wants me to pump those numbers up. Like what Chris said, people will be voting with their checkbook. They will be realizing that this economy has been terrible for a long time and is not getting better. My concern and what has always been my concern with Trump is that Democrats are emotional about him. They have very visceral, primal feelings. And there is this reaction to him that I don't think anyone else can can like rally and and get away from even him. I don't know if his supporters can come out and outweigh the way that Democrats hate him. And that is so much more now after his presidency than it was in 2016, COVID voting laws aside. Um, I just have this mental image that I can't shake of a very angry, like left-leaning person like stomping to the polls to vote for anyone but Trump, whether it's RFK, the same way like an emotional wronged ex would like walk with a pep in a step to like key that someone's car. Like it's personal, it's emotional to them. And I don't think you can get away from that. On right. the same side, sorry, one more point. <laughs>
3: right, right, yes.
4: On the same side. You have the very conventional Republicans who are the never Trumpers. I know a lot of people who are very conservative, but felt like the right thing to do in the last election was to write in someone else. So you will have, and I'm, I'm so afraid of another circumstance where the left completely mobilizes and gathers together and then people on the right vote with principle and the, like, like to choose the vote in the right in option because... That is what our country allows, but it also further continues to destabilize a progressive and growing movement for the right to obtain victories. I'm deaf. That's it. <laughs>
3: right, Donnie, can I can I ask a quick question to Justin because I want to hear what he thinks about this. Justin, do you think that this is going to be a referendum on Biden and his agenda?
2: Do I think it's going to be a referendum on Biden? No, yeah. I don't. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna break down. This is this is yeah. expert talking head analysis. This is yeah, how let, you decide who's gonna win.
0: I'm giving any Justin election. Final, final naysaying yep. before we just grant. Him, the victory, and then talk about what happens after that. So go ahead. Here it
2: is. This is how you do it. This is how you can determine any presidential election. This doesn't work with other kinds of elections. Okay. This only works with presidential elections. There is a surefire way to decide who's going to win any presidential election in the modern era. Okay. So we're not talking about pre-television. All right. Modern era only. This is how you do it. Whoever the more likable person is wins every single time. There is never a situation where the less likable person it, uh, wins. It never happens. Literally never. It, it isn't the economy. It isn't any of these things. That can impact how people think about whether they like the person or not in certain situations. But generally speaking, it's basically just whether they like that person's personality and trust them. Okay? That's all this is about. It really isn't about anything other than that. Okay. Do you
3: think do you but go ju- back and look. Justin, do you think that the voters like Joe Biden like personally or do you think that no. They, no, they No, I don't no. think so either.
2: Of course not, but they hate Donald Trump. And that's the difference. It's not about whether you like it's it, I shouldn't have said it's about it's not about whether you like someone or uh, no. or not. It's about whether you like them relative to the other option. The least unlikable wins. Yeah, yeah, the least unlikable wins. So like Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump was a classic example of that, right? The reason that Donald Trump won was because he was more likable than Hillary Clinton at that time. That's the reason why. In the wake of, and if Donald Trump had uh, not done what he did after the election in 2020, okay? If he had taken a totally different approach to the way he handled 2020, And I'm not trying to say he's right or wrong or whatever, but if he had taken a different approach, I actually think he'd be in great shape right now. But everything that transpired after that, January 6th, all that other stuff, I think hurt him badly, badly in the likability category. And I think as a result of that, he really can't win. If he does win, it would be the first time that a more unlikable person won in one of these elections the economy so, you could point you could look at the economy and say well the economy is the driving factor but obama if you remember right hmm. obama was not doing that well when he ran for re-election and yet he won but chris Christie hugged him after, her, after
3: after after i know that and but that was, was part of I know, the likability chris
2: part of the point Right, right. The reason they liked him well, was okay, partially so, because, oh, even some Republicans like him. It's this whole so, likability. So, Justin, model. is that poll,
0: that ABC Washington Post poll just way off? It's just off by 10 plus
2: points? No, no, no. I I, th- I think it, so. First of all, uh, if I remember right, it's registered voters, not likely voters. OK, so that can skew things a little bit. That usually doesn't help Republicans, but it, it can skew things. Um, But. I think it's possible that at this very moment in time, people really don't like Joe Biden that much. And maybe Donald Trump doesn't seem that bad, right? Maybe that is happening at this very moment, Mm -hmm. but Donald Trump is not on. He's he's they're not playing endless clips of January 6th on network television right now. They do on CNN and stuff like that. Those people are all voting Democrat no matter what, but on network television on just the radio, when you're listening to the radio on the way to uh, this work or whatever, the, the the DJs playing, like, pop music, they're not talking about how Donald Trump's a, you know, a fascist or whatever. Like, the the, the mobilization of, like, Taylor Swift to be anti-Donald Trump, which is going to happen if Donald Trump's the candidate, okay? We're going to lose votes just from Taylor Swift. Like, that that kind of stuff, like, hasn't happened yet. Once sure, that sure. happens, like, right. once you get the swift vote type thing going on for the uh, against Donald Trump, there is just no way that he's going to win because I, he's cal- not going to do you, like. Do you do you I've, think
3: do you think that it's possible that the media is amplifying these polls because they are trying to get rid of uh, Joe Biden? Because I I watch a lot of you know cable news and I'm telling you on MSNBC and CNN they are starting to talk a lot about alternatives to Joe Biden and he's too old and he's mentally, you know, uh, lost it. I, I'm so, and then it, it makes me wonder if they are I know, actually.
2: Yeah, I know, I know Donnie is like desperate to move on. So incredible. I will, I'll just leave it at this. I think, I, I think that the establishment desperately wants someone other than Joe Biden. I think I they agree. would love to replace Joe Biden with someone else, especially Michelle Obama, who would win in a landslide, by the way, if she was picked. But I'll just – I'll leave it at that.
0: All yeah, right. you know, I, I've calculated everything you have to say, and I've adjusted my percentage. Uh, I said I was at 53%. Now I'm at 55%. So, yeah, all right, so let's, uh, let's, <laughs> <that's why. laughs> let's just uh, – I don't know. I just think all of that stuff is baked in the cake. Like, I get it. The general Give voters, me one example. all of that stuff. But... One
2: example of the unlikable candidate winning over the – more you can't. Trump obama twice.
3: Tell, tell you one Come thing on, that man, day obama was more likable. oh no, yeah sure. obama was hey, way more hey, likable Johnny, John Johnny, one McCain. one thing one thing that that does give me some hope uh las vegas betting odds are in favor of trump winning in a general election against biden wow. straight up so take that's that, one take that yeah Justin. i mean if people are actually betting you know on it, more than the, i didn't know uh, that actually yeah.
2: no that does make me feel a little bit nervous <laughs> yeah take honest. that
0: Take that and John Noderf in the, in the comments. Take that one, too.
2: Wow. Uh, all right. So let's
0: let's put all of that aside. And I want to get into speculation territory. What if Justin's wrong? What if Donnie is <laughs> right, like always? And what if Donald Trump sails to victory? Um, and you know what? I'm not even going to say sails to victory. I'm, I'm saying loses the popular vote, edges out the electoral college, wins by two or something like that, three or three electoral votes, something like that, and, and and wins, declares victory on election night. What happens? And I kind of want to talk about this from two different perspectives. One is just like the media in general. You know, you could take that from the CNNs of the world to the, you know, wave of uh, celebrities that promise that they're going to move to Canada and all of that. And then I also want to talk about it from like a governmental perspective point of view um so jim i'm gonna let you take first whack at this what is the reaction on election night when joe biden has to walk out <laughs> and do a meek concession speech
1: <laughs> what happens dude what happens uh. Well, I got to say, you know, I've been following politics, you know, for a long time. I mean, you know, I was 14 or 13 years old when Ronald Reagan was reelected in in 1984 in a landslide. And I really enjoyed even back then looking at the hangdog looks of guys like Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw, who they couldn't believe. And they had to say it had to come across their teeth. The words Ronald Reagan has won in a historic landslide. Now, we're not going to have, um, I, I think, I may be long dead before we have any kind of historic landslides like we had in 1984, again, in this country, so divided are we. But the most, the most fun I've ever had on a presidential election night was 2016. It was just glorious to see these um, members of the media on CNN and MSNBC and the networks, they just couldn't believe it. They just couldn't believe it. They were absolutely in shock. And I was laughing and laughing and having such a great time. Um, I don't think that is going to happen this time. Let's just say, as you said, we have to, for this um, for this scenario, we have to pretend that Donald Trump has won. He will not have won in a landslide. And we also have to pretend, frankly, that the networks will call it for Donald Trump on election night. I think that's never going to happen. Uh, no way. But let's just pretend that it did. Um, and that Donald Trump, is clearly reelected president again for a second time uh, just from the, the media is going to um, lose its mind even more than they already have. And um, I, you can come back around with me on this one, but I think it's very clear from what is going on against Donald Trump. Th- they were undermining the, the system, the deep state was, was undermining Donald Trump while he was a candidate. The The Obama administration, basically had meetings um, to decide how the the most powerful agencies in our government could undermine him um, before he was inaugurated. Uh, media speculation and others and, pol- and political speculation was that we must find a way to make sure that he is not inaugurated president. Um, again, this was in 2016. What do you think they're going to do now if he's actually elected president again? Um, the the deeps, all of the, all that we know that the the deep state and there is there is a there is a permanent bureaucracy in this country that actually runs things and if the American people um, dare to elect somebody who they dese- that they think is wrong who is not in the club who will not go along with the deep state and their agenda they have proven they will do everything in their power to make sure that that person um, would not actually take the White House again. So, you know, you can come back around with me on this. I have some specifics <laughs> that I think may happen, but, um, you know, the media is going to lose its mind. Um, it's going to make it's, it's, it's just it would be it's it's we've never been in a, in a situation like this before where, yeah, Chuck- where the entire society, the entire media thinks that um, to save democracy, we must we must make sure that the people can't choose their president.
0: Justin, I want to go to you next because you know you seem like the least convinced that Trump has a shot. Um, It's it's unthinkable, seemingly, from your perspective, and surely it's unthinkable from a whole lot of people on the left's perspective. So, what are your uh, thoughts of what the reactions would be? So, so this is a real pulls off the impossible.
2: So, so this is a real. uh, I'm I'm not joking. Uh, This is a real question to okay. you in this all scenario right. is trump in jail or is trump not in jail
0: Um uh, let's go with um uh, let's go with he's in jail
2: so if he's so if he's in if he's in jail i think that people will be not quite as insane as if okay he's not all in right jail. let's say he's
0: not in jail okay because I, I, want, think f- I want the most insane Go, He's not in jail. Okay. <laughs> he he <laughs> just got released.
2: <laughs> if he's not in jail, he's the clear winner. Everyone sort of agrees. I don't even know that it matters that it happens on an election night or if it happens four or five days after that, they sure. probably uh, will hold out hope no matter what. I think um, you can make a pretty legitimate argument that uh, it could be the end of America. Like, I think, I think you could make that argument legitimately uh, because, because, there is a certain segment of the country that is so convinced that he is an illegitimate criminal who is a fascist dictator type who now is worse than he ever was before, because now he wants revenge. Like he's the fascist, but now with a like a revenge mindset coming into power, uh, he's going to politically, um, you know, start like, give you an example okay this is like a real example of what people are saying uh jennifer rubin who was supposedly a republican uh or a right-leaning uh opinion commentator at some point in time who is at the washington post um went on twitter yesterday or the day before x and said that she's not going to cover the debate She's not going to cover that. She's not going to waste her time covering the Republican debate. Instead, she's going to talk about how Donald Trump just threatened to execute uh, Mark Milley, General Milley, uh, because of stuff that he said uh, about wh- while Trump was – some of the stuff he was doing while Trump was still president, okay? Um, That's – no, Trump didn't say that. Now, Trump said something that was, you know, like a Trumpian, but he didn't say that, okay? Okay? But that's what they're going to do. They're going to say that he's going to start rounding people up and like executing people. Like they're going to actually say that kind of stuff. Like that's what they're going to say. They're going to be riots in the streets. They're going to be burning down courthouses. They're going to be saying that like, like the furthest left wing element is going to be taking the not my president thing to like an extreme, they're going to be declaring autonomous zones. Yeah, all I was going to say, we're going to see an, like, another one of those. Like all that is going to happen for sure. Like for sure. But I know that there are people I am. I, I thought Donald Trump prior to January 6th, I really thought Donald Trump was like one of the best presidents we've had in, in a very long time. Okay. So I'm saying all of that. I want people to keep in mind that I just said that. All right. Now I'm going to say this. <laughs> I don't know that America truly can survive if Donald Trump wins. I really just don't. I, I just don't think that you can have a president, um, have America survive with a president when when 40% of the country really believes that like he's going to execute people and that he's a fascist dictator and all this crazy stuff and that he's illegitimate. Surely they're going to say that he stole the election somehow or whatever. You know they're going to do that.
3: So what? So what? So what? what? But here, Justin, let me let me take the ops. I'll play devil's advocate because I, kind of, you know, have a opposite view on this. I think the country cannot survive another four years of Biden at all. You know, seventy percent of Americans think that we are turning into a police state based on the Biden, you know, actions so far. I don't get. I don't care if the media goes crazy. I don't care if all these, you know, uh, left wingers, you know, you know, protest and do all that stuff. Fine, go for it. Do it. All that matters to me is that the Jim alluded to this, that Donald Trump brings a reckoning with the deep state, which has which is ruining our government. You know, the fourth branch of government thinks that they have all the control. He needs to bring the FBI to heal. He needs to bring the intelligence agencies to heal. And I think that he is the, you know, the Avenger that can do that. And I think that the fact that he won't have to worry about being reelected means will be the gloves will be off and he will finally do what needs to be done. In Everything order to you're saying this right now <laughs> is the <laughs> rhetoric. <laughs> <That's exactly laughs> what guys, I'm talking guys, about. guys, guys, but wait a second, but, but, but just put the rhetoric aside for a second. We all can agree that the deep state, like Jim mentioned, permanent Washington, whatever you want to call it, the intelligentsia that they run the show. They've been running the show for way too long. Donald Trump, when he done, he wait a second. When, when he first got in the office, he tried to, you know, to to fix that broken system. What did they do? They took every single quiver in their, you know, in in, in, in every single tool that they had and, and used it against him. But guess what? Now he doesn't have to worry about reelection. Now he knows, you know, the 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 terms of you know the the game here. So I think that you know if we don't. It, <laughs> I just think that another four years of Biden, our economy is just going to go, you know, to hell. Uh, Internationally, you know, China is going to take over Taiwan. It's just, I I don't think that the United States can afford four more years of Biden. And on any level, and I think that this, I know, I know this is a cliche. This is the most important election in my lifetime, bar none. This makes you know, 2012 when I was freaking out about another Obama term look like nothing. Oh yeah, dude. In hindsight, we have to win. No, we have to win this election. (laughs)
0: We have uh, to just real, So wait, just wait, real wait, quick, wait, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, I, I want to get into the, the deep state and the government response and all of that, but I just want to go to Samantha for one last kind of comment on just like the media in general, broadly speaking, if the media's reaction to 2016 uh, was a 10, what do you think it's going to be this time if Trump wins?
4: A 100. I think I will have friends that will legitimately, like Justin said, believe that our nation is broken and they need to leave and they might actually feel so deeply as to like choose to not be my friend anymore because of what I do for work and where I stand politically. I think that it will reawaken and galvanize a very deep and draconian thing inside a lot of people who are legitimately, like I said earlier, emotional and visceral about Trump is president. That's yeah,
3: yeah. You know, I, I, but kind you know, one of the differences when when we lose elections, we don't sit there for for four years, you know, just frothing at no, the mouth. No, we mountains. take
0: over the Capitol building. No,
3: no, 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 no. Actually, what we <laughs> I'm do is kidding. we, I'm we you too it and we move on. But one of the things that I noticed in uh, literally the day after uh, I was you know teaching in Bluffton High School. A lot of the teachers came in wearing all black and telling their students, oh, this is the beginning of the end and all this stuff.
0: Oh, dude, they they
3: they are the ones who are unwilling to accept when they lose. And to me, this is one of the times where, you know what? Just accept it, deal with it, and move on. And it's, you know, what it, it, it's going to have to be that way. We we have to fight fire with fire. I'm sick and tired.
0: I was I was told of crying sessions uh, at people's works after after 2016 yeah, uh, of certain course. employees crying sessions. All, I'm not but, exaggerating.
3: So what?
2: Now we got to put up
1: at struggle uh, sessions.
2: Hold on, I know, I, I know, I know, Jim, I know Jim has a lot he wants to say about all of this, and you know, any, any should because I, I want to hear, I want to hear. Oh, and truth. by the way, but, folks,
0: we're going long. If you couldn't tell, already. yeah, it, it, it
2: is definitely. But I just want to say, I just want to add this because I didn't say this before, and I think this is actually a really important part of my prediction. So we, you, you said under this scenario, Donald Trump's not in prison, right? Sure. He's elected, and I say everyone's rioting, and there's chaos in the streets, and whatever. Mm -hmm. he will then be put in prison like that will then happen. So if he's not in prison, he'll be in prison. They'll put him in prison. They'll find some court somewhere. We'll throw him in prison. And then the right will then turn into like, they're imprisoning the president. You know, this is like a coup. And again, my overall prediction, America can't survive. That's, that's my overarching prediction for all of this, but I think if he's not in prison. They'll put him in prison. I think if he is in prison, they might be tamped down a little bit, but well, that, OK, it's so that good. gets
0: into the next part, which is kind of like the, the government's reaction to this, you know, whether or not you just want to call it the government or the Democrats, the left, the bureaucracies, deep state, intelligence, whatever, whatever you want to call it. What is their reaction to it? Uh, Jim, I think you already kind of teased a little bit about this in some of your responses. So why don't you take first whack at this part of the. debate?
1: Yeah, well, you know we I, we all agree that this country is just going to come apart at the seams if, uh, if Trump is elected. And, uh, you know, and, it's, and as I mentioned before, it's going to be worse than what we saw the first time around. I mean, Mark Levin um, and others have described as what happened to Donald Trump as a soft coup. I mean, and it was before he was even inaugurated and that the people in power in the Obama administration are, and are now in power in the Biden administration is, is basically the same people. Um, they thought nothing. Are violating the constitutional rights of innocent Americans to take down Trump. And I'm meaning people like Carter Page and others in his uh, you know, peripheral advisors. You know, let's let's lie to a secret court and, and be able to spy on these people so we can get Trump. Yeah, there about wasn't Michael a single Flynn? person yeah. in any of these in any of these meetings in which they discuss doing these things that said to anybody else in the room, you know, guys, that that violates the constitutional rights of people who didn't do anything wrong. Not one person said that. They just said, "What is important is that we get Donald Trump." They impeached him twice on absolutely BS charges, um, and um, you know, and now they're trying to take his businesses away. Um, they're, they, they, they were going after his kids. I mean, they did everything, and there was never anybody in the room who said, "Look, guys, this is an abuse of power. This is not what we do as Americans. Let's just beat him um, the next time he's up for election." No, from before he was even he, before he even took the oath of office. The entire system of our government and society worked to take him down. They were talking about invoking the 25th Amendment because he was Looney Tunes immediately after he was, he was sworn in. And this was discussed openly and as, as if it was a normal thing in our media and in our politics. Um, and so I think if he is if he is elected again, we're going to go from soft coup. I could totally see a real coup. You mentioned um, General Milley, who was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Do people remember why uh, Donald Trump says said that Milley should have been um, brought up on charges of treason recently? It's because his, because Mark Milley called his counterparts in China and said, right. "Don't worry, I mean uh, my my boss, my boss is a is a nut job, but we're not going to attack you."
3: But Jim, wouldn't you it be don't Arthur- do
1: that? You don't do that that you are not supposed to do that you do <laughs> you <laughs> serve at the pleasure of the president it is completely out of bounds to do something like that this freedom. would be the equivalent in the cold war of somebody calling up the soviets and saying don't worry if you see uh, any any noise about a, a nuclear attack it's completely fake don't worry about it Th- that person in the in the cold war would have been brought up on charges of treason you don't do that Millie didn't do that once He did it twice. He did it again on January 6th. Oh, uh, you know, I, Hey, I called you before. I just want to assure you again, don't worry. um, We're not going to do anything to you. You know, I'm Trump's crazy and stuff. You don't do that shit. I'm sorry. There I go. I swear again, (laughs) I get upset. So it is completely within the realm of my imagination that, that people like um, Millie would go to the Pentagon and get up a bunch of uh, people to actually gather men and march to the white house and take Donald Trump into custody. I totally can see that happening, considering everything that's already happened in the soft coup stage. And do I think the Secret Service would hand him right over? Yes, I do. I do, because I don't (laughs) think anybody in in our government anywhere, I don't have any trust in any of our institutions, that I'm even willing to entertain something I would have thought was insane just five, six years ago. That the Secret Service of the United States would hand over the sitting president to, to Mark Milley and other people from the Pentagon to depose the elected president of the United States. And the kicker in all of this is that through all of this, those people think they're the good guys. They think they're doing this and they say it all the time to save democracy. And, it, and it, so that, I think, is a plausible scenario if Donald Trump is elected president uh, is, next
2: year. is Jim,
1: but Donald, but
3: Donald Trump is going to fight back against that. He's not going to let this happen to him. So I think that even if, even if they do With try what? to, pull, How? I would never put anything past him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but you know what, but you know what, if it's a, if, 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 if we are, if we are afraid of the consequences of Trump winning because of the less insane reaction to it, that makes me even want him to win even more. Just, just to show them for their true colors, and if they are so afraid of Donald Trump that they would resort to that, then that that would actually prove to the American people that these are the ones who are against you know uh, democracy, against you know the people, against you know uh, the Constitution. And I think that, so, that would actually make Donald Trump look better, and it would actually help in his you know quest to finally once and for all drain the swamp and, and you know put the deep state where it belongs.
2: Okay, so just real, so real quick, Jim, do you think that? that trump ends up in prison if 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 because you kind of said okay i think he will i think he will i think he ends up in prison somehow before
3: before the election i'm saying well those those aren't going to go to trial before the election
2: no 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 i i well we don't know that it's possible one of them will go to all they need to do is convict him on one felony to put him in prison that's it but but i but i i think he'll end up in prison um if he wins and he's not in prison at the time of the election, <laughs> but, I think if, he'll end up in prison. If wins, Jim says yes, same, he ends up in prison.
3: But if he wins and he's the sitting president, I, I, I highly doubt that they would be able to go through with that.
2: Well, he wouldn't be. He would be the elected. He'd be the president elect. He wouldn't be the sitting president. And But, but do you're, you, so but you're you, telling me you from, saying... from
3: November to January that they would be able to put that trial through and, and, and convict him? And, with, oh, and yeah. Without the appeals process taking place? Because they, you, oh, go to jail well, immediately. you could have
2: you could have an appeal. No, you can go to jail immediately. And they, they can put him in jail just pre-trial, you know, without without bail. I mean, they can do whatever they want. I think they will do whatever it takes to stop this man from becoming president. And that was I think what Jim was just saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think they will do whatever it takes to Good. stop him from being. So I I, Chris doesn't agree. That's totally fine. Samantha, do you think that Trump gets Thrown in jail as a political pr- prisoner. <laughs> if this, this happens, or... union. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think? Am I crazy? Is Chris crazy? We know Jim's oh, crazy. Oh,
0: Samantha, you got to unmute. Yeah, there you go.
4: I got to unmute. Sorry, guys. Oh, Savannah, don't that question, is... I, I, I completely agree with Jim and Justin. I, I can't. Have, I couldn't have said it better than Jim or Justin. I, they would do anything. The, it's, I keep saying it's an emotional. It's a visceral. Oh, it is no. a like, I'm I
3: totally agree that they are going to do that. However, what I'm saying is that we can't kowtow tow and say, "Well, we don't want we don't want to upset the apple car too much." I almost want that to happen so that it's like a final reckoning happens. Oh, and, and I and, and I and I I would put my money on on Donald Trump.
0: Oh, I don't Donald, think any of this here. speculation should be like looked as as some reason not to vote for him. <laughs> That's not no my no, no, idea. no
3: Donnie, but what I'm saying is that. I know that some people would say, well, for the good of the country, it would be better for just you know, for for Donald Trump to just go away quietly and let and let Biden have his four years. And then and then in 2028, we'll put we'll put forth a candidate. But guess what? By 2028, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter by then. So so we need we need we need to like stand our ground. This is the hill we have to die on.
4: There is um, so, a fine like, ahead, faction of people who consider themselves, like, accelerationalists, which basically, like, they feel that for this nation to heal, like, it would take a monumental break of that shift. Like, perhaps this, this theory of of having a democratic nation where you have so many states that are so completely different, this experiment of the of United States, like, maybe just isn't working because the people who live in California and in New York are so monumentally different from the rest of the country that maybe a breaking point needs to happen. And that's terrifying. And I'm not saying that's my belief by any means, but I am just adding another perspective.
3: I think think part of the reason why that might happen though. (laughs) No, but Donnie, but I think part of the reason, Sam, that's such a great point. And I totally agree with you. And I've seen this, you know, this division grow larger and larger and larger, you know, in in, just in my lifetime alone. Um, However, I once again just think that we 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 can't let them you know win just because because we're scared of how uh, they're going to react to a potential Trump victory.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I don't want. So
3: I don't want to scare people about it.
0: I just want to like prepare for what could happen. That, that's kind of okay, what I'm you, talking about. You haven't
2: about. actually answered the question yet, oh, Donald. Me? You're, I mean, yeah, you're the only one. Everyone uh, has I'm, to on the record. Just Inevitably, this is going to get played I, when they're well, when they're dragging me. Trump off to jail. This is going to be played. I want to know. I want you on the record. Is he going to jail if he wins or not?
0: First off, Samantha, uh, you haven't been on the podcast in a while. I promise you that this isn't <laughs> what every episode is like. This is this is an outlier.
4: I absolutely <laughs> love this. I'm disappointed if every. Also, you didn't answer the question, Donald Duck. Oh, you got it, got ducking it. Yeah, the ducking the question over <laughs> here. Yeah. Um,
0: so that's gonna do it for it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I, man, I think it's going to be apocalyptic. I think it's going to make 2016 look like nothing. I think if Trump edges out a victory, you are going to see a meltdown like you have never seen before. Uh, they're already laying the groundwork for some of this. We didn't even get to some of these articles that I put in the show notes, but there's articles, um, one's from the Atlantic, one's from the New Republic or something like that, both talking about these like potential constitutional clauses that are in place that strictly prohibits a president that has done treasonous stuff or whatever from actually taking office and you know that that type of stuff is going to be invoked that is the whole reason why they're trying to make the riot of january 6 2021 a uh, painted as an insurrection or something like that so that they could lay this foundation to completely disqualify him from ever being president i don't think i don't think i mean i don't know i can probably put my tinfoil hat on or something like that and change my own mind here but i don't think that they ever thought that uh trump would be in this position where he would be like clearly the the candidate of choice uh in the primaries and clearly going up against biden for round two and uh and yeah and all of the things kind of breaking against biden again i don't think we're expected They went on there. We talked about Bidenomics a handful of weeks ago, and the narrative that they were trying to push, like I said at the beginning of all of this, was that it's a raging success. Oh, the economy's doing so well. Can you believe that Biden policies are are lifting everybody out of all these bad situations? B.S. It's not happening. Everyone sees it. So I think that is further uh, um, uh, helping Trump reclaim the presidency and all of that. And if he does, all bets are off man Donnie, so jail off. jail, oh,
2: jail oh. or no jail
0: oh i think they'll i think they'll yeah <laughs> i think jail. they'll put them in jail okay.
2: <laughs> jail it is it's it's yeah. jail so okay. but
0: yeah. i don't think that's going to help i think that'll help them.
2: i
1: think that's going to help them. so well, are, well, we even, are, the point, are we even are we even comprehending how insane this conversation is so <laughs> oh, it's insane. Of the five people on this on this podcast that all five of us probably agree that one way or another they're going to make sure that Donald Trump a former president of the United States the leading candidate for the Republican Party in the United States will be in jail, well, hopefully before the election, but definitely by the – if well, after the, the f- election, win what's or lose. The, what's this the flip is side?
0: insane. What's the flip side of it, Jim, that he wins and they're like, well, good election, freest and fairest election since last time. Have fun. That's Donald impossible. <laughs> that,
2: impossible. That, that is the of least likely that, scenario. Well, I mean, <laughs> Donnie, but of
3: course that's not going to happen. But part of the reason why I think that they are so uh, uh you know unwilling to accept him as you know the next president is because for you know for the first time in so many years, an outsider came in and said, you know what, it's time to rock the boat. And they just cannot stand that, especially permanent Washington, the bureaucracy, the deep state. That's why they are just, you know, scared out of their minds of him coming in and and really just saying, you know, I learned from him, my mistakes in the first term from day one, it's going to be, you know, just a war against the deep state. And I think that that is what we need. And that's what the American people want.
0: Oh, that's ladies what some and gentlemen, Let, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, well, some, yeah, probably cool. a little premature. Obviously, we're not even through the primaries. Whole lot of stuff could happen between now and the general election um but i think it is like i said i think it is interesting and i think it's important to kind of think about what could happen uh especially in a scenario like this and like i said it's not an impossible scenario like i think i think you know you could you could say it's coin flip maybe you mm-hmm. could say it's a little less but i think it's well north of zero percent chance of happening so um i, I we're already a, a an hour 20 into this podcast. I'm going to skip Davos watch. I know everyone's booing. Yes, I know we're all booing. I get it, but I will cut a separate Davos watch video and I'll post it on the uh, heartland channel either probably early next week or something like that. So you'll definitely get your fill of Davos watch from me, but lady and gentlemen, are there any final comments, anything you want to get off your chest about these topics and anything else that we've discussed in the podcast so far in
3: 20, in twenty twenty. I think that the American people for the most part knew that the election was rigged and that there was we circumstances, circumstances that uh, could cause one to question the outcome. Okay. <laughs> I think that for four years, those of us, and I'm going to include everyone on this, uh, you know, panel here uh, bit, bit our tongues, bit the bull and said, okay, you know what? The other guy won. We'll just let him do his thing. We, we, Unlike them, we didn't sit there and say no, okay, now we're going to derail and use every single like lever of power to, you know, to try to get rid of him. We did we 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 did what what, you know, a gracious loser does. We said, "Okay, fine. You won. Now, you know, now now it's your turn to govern." I think that they are unwilling to to, you know, to have that sort of mindset. So even if Donald Trump wins in a free and fair election, it doesn't matter because they're still going to cry foul, but that doesn't mean that we need to like, you know, appease them by saying Well, we're not going to really like you know put our best fight forward here, Donnie. It's you know this is, I think this is make or break for the country, and I think that you know it's four more years of Biden will take us down a path that is I think you know beyond repair. I think that he would then have the gloves off too, you know, get rid of the filibuster, you know, just all all sorts of stuff. Maybe you know Puerto Rico statehood. Who knows? Pack the Supreme Court. Pack the Supreme. All that stuff. So it, it, I think it is incumbent upon, you know, the people who believe in the Constitution, believe in limited government, believe in federalism and all that great stuff to say enough is enough. We're going to put a guy in there who is actually going to defend those founding principles. And if it means that the that the left is going to go haywire, then fine. So be it. That's on them. But I, I, I'm just so sick and tired of not having that fighting spirit. You know, Mitt Romney didn't have the fighting spirit. You know, Donald Trump, for the first time in my lifetime, had that fighting spirit on our side. And look 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 what happened. We actually made some major progress. I'm not saying that it was perfect, but he did what he said he would do. And that's something that almost all politicians never do. Donald Trump is not a politician. That's why I like him because he's an outsider. He comes in there and just applies common sense solutions and he doesn't deal with all the political BS. I I just want to I just want to pony soldier. I just want to
2: say, um, That uh, this is how I always imagined this channel would end. (laughs) And you know what? I'm glad that it ended the way that I, it's kind of like a movie. You kind of imagine how you like an ideal ending. This is the ideal ending for the show. This is great. Uh, I she... a,
0: a climactic conclusion to the, yeah. in the tank saga
2: it's
1: like <laughs> it's like it it's ends. like the movie deep impact you're standing on the beach seeing this huge wave that's you know a mile high coming right at you <laughs> of youtube and just tons of people you love <laughs> as it comes over you yeah no way we're making <laughs> no it to way 420
0: we... donnie yeah we gotta no get to episode 420 uh jim samantha final words I Before just like we the way you're sign off the podcast, wider, like... the
1: crazier the talk gets around here. So oh, this, this could not have as long gone better. As you're better. happy, Donnie. that's what This matters. could
0: not have gone better. This is exactly this is best case scenario of how I thought this conversation would go. Um, Samantha, thank you for being on with us. You were our special guest uh, for the show. Yeah, hopefully we didn't scare you off for the next time that we invite you on the Sorry, show, Samantha sorry
4: i loved it burn it down (laughs) i'm kidding guys i'm kidding
0: (laughs) that that was the final straw on the camel's back right there we just got canceled um all right everyone thank you for tuning in to this episode of in the tank podcast join us every week for a new episode Hopefully uh, on Thursdays at noon central time for those audio only listeners. You can catch us a day earlier. You can uh, uh, join the show by, you know, leaving a, leaving a comment or question and maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your question on the fly. Super chat functionality. Remember that for next time. Also uh, you can help the show by hitting that like button, subscribing. If you haven't already sharing this content, Uh, Leaving a comment under the video, all those things helps break through those big tech algorithms and content like this from being shown to more people. If you'd like, you can follow us on Twitter at InTheTankPod. If you want to send us your comments or suggestions to the show, feel free to email us at InTheTankPodcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakeley, where can the fine people find you?
1: At Jay Lakeley on Twitter, at HeartlandInst on Twitter, and always visit Heartland.org.
0: Justin, aside from a future gulag, where can uh, the fine people find you? (laughs)
2: It doesn't matter. <laughs> Honestly, it's all over. It's all over for me.
0: That's right. I'm done. All right, fantastic. Chris Talgo, final person. What do you have to pitch today?
3: Harlan.org, and go check out the opinion section. We've got a lot of great uh, writers writing a lot of great stuff, including Samantha's op-ed about uh, the Colorado uh, taxpayers' uh, bill, bill of rights. rights. Bill of
0: rights fantastic you were gonna say tabor and you stopped yourself i applaud you for it <laughs> thank all you. right thank you all for tuning in we will talk to you next week hopefully no we won't <laughs>
3: What we should really do right now is just sit around and talk about all the times back in the day when when me and and Barack would run around the hallways of the White House with with candies and we'd, we'd snip the kids' hairs as we gave them candies.